0: guys have a bible if you could open your bibles weird i know right open up your bibles to james um everybody should have a paper like so if you're just getting here we have some extras andrew had the extras but i don't see it there he is oh you got okay he knew you were coming Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to take a look at James again. We were going to alternate, but uh, we were talking about why not just stick with James a little bit and just study some of this together. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we are here. I thank you for everyone present in this room. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for James and uh, his uh, writing of these things. Lord, I pray that you would bless our time together this morning and Lord, I pray that you would just uh, uh, open up your word to us as we open up our Bibles to read it. I pray that you'd open up your word to us. You say that it's a living, powerful text. Lord, I pray that it would be that for us today. I pray this now in Christ's name, amen. All right, so um, if you want to, I think my the plan is, because this is the tool that Paul introduced us to, and I, I love it, so instead of... Redoing things each and every week. When we do these Bible studies like this, we're going to use this each time. And so, if you want to, you could write up at the top, James, you know, and you could put like number two. This is the second teaching out of James. And so, if you wanted to try to keep them all, you could do that. Um, I'm not going to make new ones each week with things filled in. I'm just going to have this blank copy for you guys ready to go. Um, So, we're, and we're going to be in James chapter one. So, if you wanted to, you could just do the, the, the actual text. We're going to be in James chapter 1. I think I'm only going to go down to, um, I'll at least make it to verse 4, maybe a little bit further. Uh, a couple things I wanted to say about James, just by introductory methods. I may each week, I was thinking about this, I didn't want to have one week where I just did all introductory stuff. Um, the particular Bible commentary I have, I think I have it here in my backpack with me today. Let's see. Yes, this uh, commentary on James. This is one of the highest recommended ones. Um, So this this commentary. Just look up here for a second. Do you see how I have it split up right here? You see that? This is all just the introduction to James that this commentary has. And I was like, oh my goodness, I could. So what I what I thought I would do instead of. I mean, it's seventy two pages of introduction. Okay, um, I thought instead of trying to bog you down with introductory stuff, I thought each week maybe I'd just give another interesting fact about James um, from that introduction. Okay, so one of the things I wanted to, to say about James today, and this is just point of interest. Do you have a blank one? Yeah. Um, one of the things I want to say about James, uh, of the books of the New Testament, and this I'm, this one jodged my memory because yesterday I was talking to Bill, and he asked this question about... Are there things that people have left in and kept out uh, of the Scriptures? And he was thinking primarily in context of the Gospels. And it, what's interesting, this, this uh, commentary actually went into great detail about how, how did James end up in what we call the canon, the New Testament canon of Scripture. Uh, one of my favorite things to study is that kind of topic. Because what you find... Now, if you are talk to people in the world at all or you watch anything, somebody will throw out there, oh, they had all these things and people like kept some and got rid of others and they did this and that. And what you actually find when you start digging into the history of the Bible, it's not that at all. It's, it's actually super awesome and super reassuring that this book is unique and unlike any other book. So I'll tell you one particular piece of information. Um. I think, and I, I don't. I didn't memorize the dates, so I apologize if the dates wrong. You may know some of these dates. I know that around the year 300, okay, um, there there wasn't yet a centralized like we eventually think of the church as being centralized in Rome, and eventually that turns into Roman Catholicism with the Pope and all that. Early on, it wasn't as centralized where there was one main authority figure. There, those things were starting to come into play, but it wasn't like that completely yet. And one of my favorite stories is, is you'll read about how when they started going, hey, we should start comparing, what there, there's obviously some things that we have that we think are Scripture. I mean, that's a weird thing if you think about it. Like, we've got the Old Testament, and we don't have any problem. They had the Old Testament. They wouldn't have any problem saying, okay, here's some things that are Scripture. I mean, to add something to and say this is also Scripture is would be a challenging thing in that time period. Like, we're far removed from it, so it's easier for us to look at it and trust some of the things that happened historically. But it'd be so, I, I would have a hard time knowing what to do in those times because there there were a few other things that were scattered around, but it wasn't very much, which is, which is where I'm going. Uh, w- but one of my favorite things is that when they finally started going, hey, we should start doing this, they started deciding to meet as groups. What they found was this group over here were like, well, we think these are what should go in a scripture. And, and this group was like, well, this is what we think. And and this group over here, well, we were kind of thinking these. And this group over here, we were thinking these. And almost across the board, it was complete agreement. That's astounding. Like there, anything that they had, they were like, I don't think, like there's a couple of things. You're like, well, I do not think. The only ones that they called into question, um, one of them was James. Uh, James was one of the ones. I think I did mention part of this last week. Did I mention part of this last week? Just because of the, one of the things that was a challenge for them was the phrasing. So you have the Apostle Paul saying, was not Abraham our father justified by faith and not by works? And you have this book from James saying, was not Abraham our father justified by works and not by faith alone? And people are like, whoa, right? Um, eventually it was included. I, like I said last week, we're going to get to why, how those things don't disagree at all, <laughs> actually. They complement each other. And they're dealing with different things at different times. Um, but James was one of those books that was under debate early, early on. And eventually, they came to a consensus, yes, this is, this is it. What's amazing about it is that we come now 2,000 years later. Well, 1,700 years after, 1,800 years after that. And the, the texts that are in have stood the test of time, Right? I mean, now time has passed, and they've they've endured. I mean, there is no other text that I'm aware of that undergoes the kind of scrutiny that the Bible does. There's whole groups of people that do this textual criticism to try to, frankly, some just try to tear it down, tear it apart, and it it has stood the test. I mean, it's amazing. Um, But, James, that's one of my little things about James that I think we'll get to. There's a whole bunch of other ones that I'd like to throw in there eventually. Uh, Like We'll talk about the author. I believe the author is James, the earthly brother of Jesus. We talked about that last week. But I want to talk about why we think that. There's some reasons for that. Um, And we'll get to all those things. But that's my piece of introduction for this week. I'll try to save the other. I don't know if you were in here, Paul. But uh, this this commentary, Douglas Moo, um, this commentary, this much of it. Is introduction. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's a lot of introduction. Um, all right, so now I want to read <clears throat> uh, James chapter 1, and I want you to get your oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. I want to get your thinking caps on. <laughs> and we, we, we want to dig into this, and, and not just me spoon feeding you. Let's, let's take some bites of this and chew on it like it's the meat that it is, okay? So we're looking first off. I'm only going to read up to verse 4. And, but before I do, let's read, these, read that first question. What do we learn about God? Okay, so in this first, just these first four verses, see if there's anything that we're going to learn about God just from those first four verses. I have some things jotted down, but I'd love to hear... What jumps out at you? Look for God's character, who he is, what he is like. Look for God's conduct. What is he doing? Is there anything we can glean from that? You may hear it and go, I'm not seeing that particular point at all. I'm not seeing that point. That's okay. You may hear somebody else in the room go, oh, that, that, if that's true, that means this about God. And you may go, oh. I mean, that's one of the benefits of working in a body of believers, right? That it's not dependent just on your reasoning alone. You have this group Fitted and and joined together by the power of the spirit And I think that we need to lean into that and depend on that So let me read it you listen just to that first part James A servant of god and of the lord jesus christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion Count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Okay? So I'll give you a couple seconds here. Do my teacher thing and give you a moment to work. When I see those pencils down, I'll know, I'm not doing that. Look, Look for God's character, God's conduct, and maybe God's concerns. Let's see what jumps out at you. Start with that first one. Look for God's character. What do you see? Is there anything in those first four verses that jump out to you about God's character? Yeah. Yeah. hmm mm. Yeah. Hmm. That's really good. You get get a hint of that Trinity playing into there, right? Good. What else do you see? Hmm. Right. And then verse four, and that's going to be that's going to be really important in just a minute because that's talking about where it wants us to be, but it's clearly also. Something about who he is, right? Um, anybody else? Mm. Yeah, that's definitely something, again, something that he's working in us, you see that, and we're going to get to some of those questions in a minute. But th- that's a character trait. If you know anything about God from the scriptures, you go, those words jump out at you, don't they? As something that's a character of God. And then you, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you start thinking these are character traits of God that from this text it sounds like he's wanting to impart into us. Right? Anybody else? This might be like a little convoluted mm-hmm.
1: but as as James is writing as Jesus' brother, yeah, and his faith journey, the last thing that he notably remembers about Jesus is crucifixion. Mm. And really that's probably the turning point of his faith. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. And so I see that as, like, okay, I'm
1: looking at my example of my brother, my Savior, Mm -hmm. Jesus, and maybe even that ties into, like, why he's, he is almost like, I'm a servant Mm -hmm. of God, and by the way, my brother is God.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because, and I threw this in last week, I actually stepped out, didn't she? Um It would take a lot for her to throw in Lord and Christ before and after my first name, (laughs) right? And yet James does this with Jesus. That's pretty astounding. But yeah, that's, he would, as he's thinking about going through trials, he would have a vivid picture of going through trial. That's good, I like that. Um, what about his conduct concerns? What do you see about his conduct, God's conduct, and God's concerns? Yes. Yeah. And that's that's such a hard thing, right? And there's a there's a right way and a right time to do that when somebody's in a trial. You know, it's not always the best thing, like right, right when they're being smacked with a trial, that you, you shouldn't walk up to them and go, count it joy! You know, I mean, that, that's probably not the best way to do that. But th- this text is in there for those purposes, right? To, that we ought to count or consider or think of it as joy. I'm going to throw a thought in there at this point that we're going to come back to later. And let me get, I want to get my numbers right here. Um, I'll come back to this again later. The the word that's translated trial here, uh, in the English standard version anyway, that same word shows up 17 times in the New Testament, okay? Of those 17 times in the New Testament, seven of those times, it's not translated, eight times it's translated trial, seven times it's actually translated temptation. Now that, to me, is a fascinating thought. Now there's another word that we'll see later in James, it's a slightly different word, same we're a different version of the word, but well, we'll see tem- where it's translated temptation. But across the New Testament, seven times it's translated uh, uh, temp- temptation instead of trial. Um, that's an interesting thing because in my mind, those things tend to stand as very separate things. But I think what you see in Scripture is you see a bit of a overlap of these two things, temptation and trial. And one of the ways I've come to think of it that I'm, I'll step back because this is, this is just Matt. Uh, sometimes it has to do with perspective. From, from God's perspective, this thing here is, it might be a trial or a testing of your faith. And he has good purposes in that, as we've seen here. What, what are his good purposes in the trials? It, just look from the text, literally, what does it say? To do what? Make you st- a steadfast person. Right, and we want that steadfastness to have its full effect. What does the full effect of steadfastness look like? Two two words there. What? Perfect and complete. So like where it says God tempts yeah. I mean, that how you try to... well, well, I'll get there because that's a little bit later in this chapter. We'll get there. that's, that's a different version of the same word, but when this word is translated temptation. What I found, and, and this is where I'm, I'm that's why I step back because this is a hazy study for me. Um, what I have found is most time when you see this word where it's translated temptation, it's still in the sense of you doing what's right, that God is gonna use it in this way. I think that you can have the same event that from God's perspective, he has ordained it as a trial in your life and a testing of your faith. That very same event could be satan all in and he's not trying to test your faith he's trying to destroy your faith and you see that a little bit in the word that's we'll see later that got let no one say that he's tempted by god that word is one that as you look at all of its uses it's used 34 times in the new testament all of its uses and it's same thing sometimes it's translated trial sometimes it's translated temptation sometimes it's translated testing but you see a difference of use all those times it's the purpose is To destroy right and 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 what's amazing about that is that if you if you get this concept there's a really awesome thing that can start to happen in your life an event comes you go whatever this event is god's purpose is not to destroy and bring me down right he's he wants to use this and has ordained this in his providential grace to say that he, he's not surprised by it, he's not playing handyman fix-it guy. I mean, he knew this was coming, and he's got good purposes in it. I think of Joseph, right? You go all the way back to Genesis. Joseph looks at what his brothers did, and he, the same event, he said, there was purposes in this event. There were purposes on God's part that he purposed and meant it and purposed it for good. There were purposes his brothers had, and they were evil purposes. And I think that there's a lot of things that happen in our life that there are God has always good purposes for, and Satan always has evil purposes for. And I think one of our jobs as a Christian is to say, I need to get, and that's what this James is writing about. Get your perspective. Right. God's intention is never to, he's never going to allow something that's going to come in that his purpose is to destroy you. He's not the destroyer. He's the creator. But those same things, and I I think another example of this is, is in Job. Who did who who killed Job's family? Who who destroyed Job took all Job's who who did all those things? This is, I know it's a trick question. Some of you are going to get the answer right, right? And and I'll tell you what, every no matter what you either way you go, you're yes, you're right. Who did those things? Satan. Now it's interesting by permission, but have you ever noticed that what Job says about it, and feel free to go back and look at the beginning of Job. Job actually says something super interesting. He says, he, he, he doesn't say Satan did these things to me by God's permission. He says, God did this to me. And the very next verse says, in all these things, Job did not sin by accusing God falsely. Wait, what? <laughs> then who did it? Well, Satan did it. But God doesn't have any problem taking ownership of those things and, and saying, I did it with these good purposes. And so in a very real sense, these evil things did it. I think another—let me give you one more example. I'm completely getting off track, and I just bumped the power plug. I'm sorry, Todd. Um, one more. There, there's a, uh, a passage in Acts where you've got um, Peter is preaching. I think it's Peter is preaching. I'm doing this from memory. Peter's preaching and he talks about in, your, in this city, and he's, it's a prayer. He says, In this city, um, Pilate, he names Pilate, and he says, These, the Jews, they, they did these things. They killed, they crucified Jesus. But then he says this, according to your plan, and then he throws in this word, and your hand. Right? I think that this is a great thing to just embrace. That we don't have to try to figure out who's doing it. Did Satan do it? Yeah. Did this evil person do it? Yeah. Did God do it? Yeah. And his purposes are good in it. Which means I always think it's got to be super frustrating to be Satan. No matter what he does, no matter what he does, he comes up with the best plan ever. I'm going to do this, do this. And he does it, and it happens. And then God goes, ah, thank you. I'm. Gonna, I had a great purpose for this. Now, can you imagine? Every th- I know, I don't know if Satan gets frustrated. I'm sure he is frustrated to some degree. I'm looking at Paul. Is that? What do you think? Does Satan get frustrated? I don't know. Never mind. Um, sometimes he does destroy. Yes. Yeah. There, there's the. Yeah. Because if you think about Job, was there literal destruction of his family? Did his kids really die? Yeah. Yes. So I do think Satan's frustrated, but I also think Satan sees a lot of victory. Yeah. It's, it's, They're his schemes. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what really cooks my noodle is when I then start thinking about even when, say you have a person who then succumbs to the temptation and destruction happens and that person completely, God still has good purposes extending even beyond what happened in that purpose and even in this person's whatever goes on, God has good intentions, but those things, like, it, it's, I don't know, I, I, I can't figure it all out, right, I mean, there, there's, there's parts of this, I just, I feel like I'm, I get, I'm getting a hint at it, I always feel like, sometimes with God's providence, it's like, I mean, I'm a short guy, so I really get this, but like, trying to look over a fence, you know, and everybody else sometimes seems like they're like, oh yeah, look at that, that's awesome, and I'm like, I can't see, <laughs> I'm jumping, you know, and, uh, and now I can't jump, because I'm me, let me throw... Wait, I got sidetracked. Let me throw one more thing in there. Let me throw one more thing in there. The, the thing that you have to really take into consideration here is what James is saying is he's telling you to think about something. That word, count it all joy, that's a, that's a command passage, right? And we're going to get to this. What... Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. I should stop and go back. Let's go back to God's conduct. Let me go back to God's conduct for a minute and then I'll take your question. If we're thinking still in this first part about God's conduct, one of the things we can say that God is, that in things that are happening, God is doing something to build you, right? If you're ever like, what is God trying to do? You don't have to figure out the details. Sometimes I think people go a little too far with that. Oh, I think. God may use this so I can start a ministry someday that does this particular thing. I don't think it necessarily has to be that. I think from this passage, sometimes it's just he, you're not steadfast. He he wants to make you steadfast through this. That's his purpose. If you're ever like, what's your purpose? Make you steadfast. And he wants that steadfastness to have a full and lasting impact. So where it's not just steadfast Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, but... Every day, and more often, and and more complete, and more full, and that word "perfect" can be translated "mature," like like ripening fruit, right? More and more so, and, and we know there's there's a tipping point at some point where it becomes absolutely complete. But we got to be rid of this thing, right? <laughs> this body, and eventually that will happen, and he will. Complete that work absolutely. But in the meantime, we're like this ripening fruit that God is saying, I'm doing this in you, I'm gonna do this in you. And so when you have things happen, I think what, what James is teaching right here, he's saying, No matter what happens, you that's count it, think about it this way. Don't think about it as what Satan's purposes are as destruction. Think about it with joy. Super hard to do. Can we agree? Super hard to do. I'm glad he didn't say, count it all as happy giddiness. Right? Count it all as giggling time. That's not... Count it joy. I think there's a difference. But I've I've taken it. I wanted to let you guys talk. Um, So any other things that you see? Looking for God's character in James chapter 1 up to verse 4. What else do you see about God's character? His conduct... Or his concerns. I think we've covered a lot of them, but feel free to repeat. Yeah. I think
1: that this might be a simplification. Maybe it's too obvious, but he says when you meet trials
0: of various kinds, not if. Yeah. Or sometimes you might. It's when. When. You're gonna. Yeah, that's good. I like that. I like that. Anybody else? We're going to move to the next one. Okay, now there's going to be some real obvious ones in the next one. Don't be afraid to just throw whatever out there. What do we learn about people just from these verses? Okay, and there's the three questions. Look for aspects. What it means to be created in God's image. We actually some of those were mentioned earlier, I think, with the steadfastness and perfection and completion, right? That God is doing those things. Um, But our what do we learn about our fallen condition from this? And then obviously the the real easy one is how how should we live and I I've kind of talked about that one but what do you guys see in there? I'll be quiet and let you guys talk for a minute. Yeah. Well, it says the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, here it says perfect, and Mhm. That that
0: kind of oh yeah. We're not going to lack what, we're going to have what we need to to count it joy. I like that. It's good. Yeah. Well,
1: un- under look for the fallen condition, I mean, the whole idea that, that all of this has got a purpose, and that's to produce steadfastness, which indicates that we are the opposite of steadfastness.
0: Yeah. If, you know, we're, we're movable.
1: Shaky and wondery. Yeah, you know, and so I I find it interesting that that you you know the scripture points in on that steadfastness as a as a revealer of you don't have that. Mm. I have to do that in you. Mm -hmm. Man,
0: minds. That was what I had in my notes too. Like we, it's cheaters. Um. I, I, b- yeah, like there's an implication there. If you if God is gonna build that must mean you're not, right? In the same thing, uh, I, you're yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, like, that must mean There's that an implication the there, right? there too, right?
1: because mm-hmm. there's an implication there that
0: that's a work that's going to happen until yeah. until our last breath. Um, which is why I think it's so very important for churches from the top down to never try to give a picture to people of, even though I don't think necessarily people always intend to do this, sometimes it's easy to put on a, a picture of, I've arrived you know, and then then people will walk in, and well, let's be honest, there's not a person that walks in these doors that didn't have a bunch of junk and baggage, and know that they're incomplete, and broken, and messed up, and all these other things, they know it, you know, but if we come in here, and all we put, the only face we put on is the, oh, everything's going great, everything's, which is, that's kind of the challenge with counting at joy, because if you're, if you are counting at joy, sometimes it can look that way, can it? No, I'm doing good. I'm doing great because I'm you can enjoy. But there, there's a weird balance where I think we have to be able to say and make sure people know this is why little things that we do here is you know if I say hey welcome to the island of misfit toys or we say I'm a complete idiot. I mean th- th- that's ways that I, I've tried to do that is try to make sure that we recognize that on a regular basis. But yeah, it's so important that we don't ever portray a I've got it all together. Because that can be such a turnoff to people that are willing, that they've been willing maybe to say, but when they come in and it's like we're all doing fine, they're like, oh man, you know. Anyway, anybody else?
1: I think the uh, testing of your faith kind of a key thing. Um, it's not just, um, it doesn't, that to me doesn't sound like a small thing. It mm-hmm. sound like, like we're going to, we're gonna have those moments of uh, battles with God and his existence, like your, your faith is being tested. It's not just you're having a bad day, yeah or a bad week or whatever. It's you're questioning. Hmm. questioning
0: God's faithfulness, God's That's spirit. true. Make you I don't know. Yeah Yeah, I did not have that in my notes. That's really good because it, it, those things, I mean, I, I'm willing to, to, to freely say there's things that can happen where I go, I mean, I, I've kind of moved to the point where I, I, I very seldom go, I don't think God's real. But you'll have in the back of your mind where you'll get that role reversed and you'll think you put God in the place of destroyer and it... My, that's what it is. It's your faith that's being tested. Are you going to believe what he says about himself, or are you going to question that? And it, it, I think we probably that's really good. I like that. I think we struggle with that a lot more than we realize sometimes. It's good. Um, I don't want to cut him off. Feel free to go back to any previous question. But let's let's look down for uh, verse or number three there. What do we learn about relating to God, uh, especially at look for things to praise and thank God for. Um, look for sin to confess and repent. Look for promises and truths to believe. But I think we can very, very verbally easily talk about things we can just in general praise God for from this this passage. I want to. I'm going to go first this time. I, the thing that I, I praise God for is that that truth that I can that that there is per, that God has purposes. I think is the way I'm going to say it. That I don't I don't ever have to go that my life is random. You know, but there's he's trying he's trying to do something in me and it's good. And I think that's something we can thank God for. So when we, when we and and it's easier probably to do that in hindsight, right? Look back at trials that you've had. There's some trials that when I was in I wasn't thinking this way at all, but in hindsight I go, that was that did a work in me. Right? That did a big work in me. And I want to point out here go back to that translation element i've come to recognize that not just trial in the sense of uh, um, a tragedy happened. sometimes we limit it to those things but a trial like a temptation there was something i was fighting a strong temptation and sometimes even those things standing firm in those things can be a growing element where i it builds steadfastness does that make sense at all okay Anybody else? Things to praise and thank God for. Anybody want to throw anything in number number three. I think God knows everything that's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a hope in that, isn't there? I mean, it's very bad, you see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, He knows what gonna do too. Yep. There's nothing, nothing that falls outside of the, his, his purposes and plans. There's nothing that falls outside of that. And that's very difficult, but it's, it becomes very relevant when you're going through things, doesn't it? To, to say, but I don't think that we have to go, I need to find the good in this. The good is God sometimes, right? The fact that we can face these things and we can go, but I've got you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: From mm. Romans 8, 28 29, you know, and the, it says, look, look for sin to confess and repent. I think any time that we're not counting it joy, mm. it's because our treasure is off. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, like, that's, that's probably the, one of the core issues in, yeah. my, in my spiritual walk is that my treasure isn't To be conformed to the image of the sun my treasure isn't to to become steadfast my treasure is to build my own kingdom Mm -hmm. to have it go my way to have me looking a certain way to have me successful and so i think we have to repent daily Mm. of treasuring us our agendas and our because i think the more people begin to treasure like and I think that's a work that God has to do in our hearts. But, but the more people begin to treasure the fact that we want to show up to heaven looking just like Jesus, mm-hmm. then they take that trial and they absorb it in a way that seems supernatural. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because and it's they seem joyful because the their the greatest treasure is happening. Yeah. You know. And so I think you have to repent of just what the opposite of counting it joy Mm hmm Which
0: is like, uh, Uh, yeah. It was good. I remember one time, one of the first times I ever really, like that thought, it was just very rudimentary, but I've talked about this a lot of times. Way back early on, it was always car breakdowns that really threw me for a loop. And um, I would get so frustrated and angry about it. And I can remember at one point, of the hundred times that my cars broke down, I did one time, I was like, I had thought about it in advance. If this thing breaks down, I'm going to do this, God. I'm going to count it joy. And I, I, did, I actually did. I mean, it was still terrible, but I was like, the car stopped working. And I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> what are you doing, Lord? What are you doing in me right now? What are you doing? I, it didn't last for very long. I still got frustrated eventually. But it, I had a moment where, like, I immediately was like, kun, kun, kun. Oh boy. <laughs> Yay, Lord, what are you doing? See, you it, it, yeah, you I did. It it didn't last, it I didn't would. Last. It didn't last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah, right. Yeah, cuz I'm not and I I need more of that steadfastness. I'm not perfect and complete yet. Good. All right. Um we're running out of time. So let me get let me get to the back page. Um what do we learn about relating to others just from these first four verses? What do we learn about relating to others? I, I want to mention the one I mentioned a moment ago. I don't think you should learn from this that when you see somebody facing a trial or a tragedy, you should walk up to them and say, count it joy now. Do it. Count it. Count it joy. That's, that's a bad idea, right? Would you agree with that? It's a bad idea. But our words, what's that proverb? Like apples of gold and settings of silver. And sometimes we can take a truth and, and wield it like a club, right? It's still true. They should count it joy, but that's not the right way to administer. Yeah. But I also think to the other side of it, we
1: often try to just commiserate when Mm. opening the Word of God in that moment and reading that together does, it's
0: powerful Mm -hmm. in a moment. Yeah.
1: Because we we, want to be careful but then oftentimes we'll just pull back and, and we don't take, I mean, that's powerful, like that changes your sensibility in
0: a Aren't aren't you glad that we have the Spirit of God to help us know how to do that? Like you don't have to get it all worked out in advance. Like okay, when they're at this stage of this point of grief, then I'm going to there's a there's a dependence on the Spirit. Lord, help me to know is this? I mean, it's like Job's friends. They were doing great till they started talking, right? I mean, when they just came and sat with him, that's that was the, what I mean. It was what they started saying. Now they're what they were saying was wrong. And so that's a different story, but uh, um, sometimes sometimes it's good to just go with somebody and just sit with them, right? Pray for them. Lift up in your mind. You can be, Lord, fill them with your spirit. Lord, if I need to say something, I know these truths, but Lord, help me to say it in a way that's timed right and and helpful and beneficial. Lord, I, I know that they need to count this as joy. They don't really need to hear that from my lips, but if they do, God, help me to know when to say it because I, I don't, I usually get this wrong. God, that's usually how I pray. I usually, Lord, I usually get this wrong. So if you could like intervene, make sure. Did you have a hand? Yeah. I think Terry has a good point about all the stuff that James covers in this book. Oh. There's people. There are people that are, that are sick. There are people that are fighting. There are people that hate each other so much that he calls it murder. Yeah. Right? Suffering, he's writing this general letter, knowing that's all going on, and he doesn't beat around the bush. Mm -hmm. His second, Mm. his first command is count this joy. Yeah. He doesn't kind of warm him up. He doesn't say, "Well, you know, this is going to be this is." You guys have been doing great. He He doesn't sandwich it. it. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think it's the same fact. What I was thinking was, everybody's
1: going through this. It's not. Mm.
0: Well, let's just ask this question right now. If if you have had a trial this week, raise your hand. I think uh, except you you've been good this week. Been good week for you. <laughs> She's like, huh? It's good. Uh, if <laughs> let me ask you this: Who who in here has had a a trial in the last week that you go? I don't even know if anybody knows about this trial, but I, I, I've been struggling with this or struggling with that. Anybody have anything? Just in love of you like I? oh, they're waving at me in the back. Time to, time to go. Um, uh, actually, that's just my mother-in-law waving at me. I don't know if that means time to go or if she's just saying, hi, Matt, I love you. Um, all right, well, I'd like to encourage you guys, um, the application questions, if we don't get to them each week, tackle those on your own before next week. And maybe if we jump into James again next week, we can even open with that. Does anybody have anything that jumped through the course of the week? Or was this helpful to you through the week? Or maybe, oh, man, maybe there's a doozy. And and I say that, and then you're going, dang it, Matt, why did you then talk about it? God probably wouldn't have put me, he wouldn't have had a doozy for me if you wouldn't have talked about trials. I shouldn't say dang it, should I? He's not tricky, is he? In fact, the, the opposite is true. There's something that before time was ordained for you for this week, and in his goodness, he had us cover this this week, right? It, the he all mm. There you go. There you go. Not tricky. Not tricky, not tricky at all. All right. They're, oh, they're all staring at me now. All right. You guys are dismissed.